0: the last week and a half, I was reading Psalm 122, which is one of the Psalms of ascent. And there's a phrase within there, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, that always stirs uh, a memory in me that I'd like to share with you. And then I'd like to address the issue, what is the role of Israel in history today? Um in the first church that I pastored uh, in northern Wisconsin, a little town of about 1900 people. Uh, I went there when I was 27 years old and had an older congregation for the most part. Um, you can imagine their thoughts toward a 27-year-old. Like what does he have to say? Um, I didn't realize how significant that was till now, but um, it's, it was true. But within that congregation, Uh, I encountered a man in his late 80s who was a very godly person and uh, an unusual personality. He would see things in black and white uh, pretty much always. Uh, He wasn't a, a, a forceful personality, but he had this faith that was amazing. And things functioned through his life different than what I'd heard before he used to pray over handkerchiefs, send them in the mail to people that were sick and they'd get healed and I'm going I never heard of that before I mean I saw it in scripture you know a, a, a reference but i didn't I didn't know if anyone had ever functioned that way and he also had this thing where if people were trying to sell houses they would call him from all over the place and please pray for me. And he'd pray and those houses would sell. And you're just kind of going, well, that's different. I, you know, it's, it's wonderful, but I'm, I'm not sure I get it. <laughs> Why that? He had some amazing stories. Um, as a, um, he grew up in a day where he used draft horses to to get things done. I remember him telling that he had used horses and a bucket to uh, dig out a basement uh, for his house. And um, this wasn't just a, a choice thing, but this is what they had. They didn't have tractors. And, and so he had seen dr- drastic changes in, in the way things went. But one time with a horse, he had been kicked in the side of the head, and it actually crushed his skull. And as he's laying in his blood, the doctor comes and says, well, he's going to die. And he goes, no, God's told me I'm going to live. So his skull knit back together. And there were times on a, on a frosty morning when you could actually see the outline of a horse's hoof. But that's the only time you would ever you would have that sense of, of, of something different about him. I mean, his, his face was... in in perfect shape but there was this impression every now and then you could just see that outline and uh, you know you'd kind of marvel at such things where I'm going with this he as a young man did not know the Lord and a traveling evangelist came through and he didn't have the steps of salvation that we're used to but he he told this man Carl was his name he told Carl, if you'll pray the Lord's Prayer every day for six weeks and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you'll find God. Then he went on his way. Carl applied that and found God. You know, it, it, it was different than what I was used to, but, you know, here 60 years later, I'm looking at a man who knows God. And so every time I read this passage, it it stirs those memories and I, I'd like to read that for you as well and then address what should our opinion be and should we continue these prayers for peace for Jerusalem. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is for, bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord, their thrones for judgment were set, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's that phrase that he was he was told. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. There were a number of psalms in this section that were uh, sung as songs, and they would sing those as they, they went to Jerusalem for their festivals. Uh, or some would say that even as the priests took a step each, they would be quoting these different uh, psalms. I'm not sure of the full history of that. I just know that that was a part of their culture in that day. Yet the question comes up, well, what should our feelings be or what should our thoughts be in regard to Jerusalem? Um, I want to start with just a couple things. In Genesis 12, Abraham was given a promise by God. It goes like this, I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your great name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this promise goes out to Abraham And it's just locked in. In Genesis 17, there's kind of a restatement and and a a continuance of it. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring and you throughout their generations for from everlasting covenant to be be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, For an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So this declaration is made, I'm making a covenant, an everlasting covenant. In other words, the promises of God are ongoing forever. And so this is laid out to Abraham. In Jeremiah, there's a continuation of this thought. Jeremiah, who is dealing with a people that have turned away from the Lord, And Jeremiah is also prophesying are going to be hauled into captivity. Remember, he declares that for 70 years they would be taken away. This same Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order for the moon, and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. Saying, the God who controls the sun and the waves and everything else, The God who has authority over those things and keeps them in order. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. So what's the declaration? When the sun quits shining and the waves quit roaring, then you can anticipate that God's promise is no more for the nation of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored. Then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. So he's going, in all their corruption and foolishness, he says these promises are still relevant. Okay, There's a hope that I carry for myself in such things when I read things like that. When I walk off into foolishness, my hope is that God, who doesn't change, keeps his covenant toward me, and then I, I have the opportunity to return and be restored. That when I'm, you know, when I'm walking that way, and I, I have that same hope, particularly like with family members that wander, and, and you're going, okay, well, I know that he's a God of restoration and reconciliation, and my prayer is for restoration and reconciliation. Now let's go to the New Testament because here's where some of the question comes in. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul makes a declaration that uh, the Israel of God. And he's referring to New Testament believers. He's saying, in a sense, you're Israel now. You're you're connected. And in Romans, he, he makes this statement. He says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by spirit, not by letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. He says, those that have had a transformed heart are Jewish, been brought in. So the question goes, has the New Testament believer replaced this? Or is this an addition? Or how, do we, how are we supposed to view it? Well, I think it's really essential that when the author of such words, Paul, makes declaration and, and reveals that clearer as to his thinking, it's important that we go to that, right? I mean, you don't want to grab onto something that somebody said and ignore everything else they've said and say, well, this, he said this. Instead, we go to later on in that same book of Romans and we start to see how he addresses this. In Romans chapter 9, he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness with the Holy Spirit that a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's not separating himself and saying, I have no relationship, but he's saying, they're my brothers still. But he goes on, they're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants. He says, the covenants are theirs. And the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. So he's, he's not saying that they have been separated from these covenants and promises. He's saying it's still a part of who they are. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to flesh, is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, not all who are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So he's saying without relationship with Christ, they are not fully tied into the Lord at this point. Um, you know, Isaac Abraham had a number of children, but Isaac was the one that, was, that the promises went through. And so he's saying, you know, there's children connected to Abraham, but at this point they do not have the full benefit of that blessing. But let's go on. Romans chapter 11, he gets back into this even further. Has God rejected his people? By no means. So is there just an abandonment? Paul says no. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scriptures say of Elijah, how he appeals to the God of Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets, demolished your altars, and I alone am left. They seek my life. He said there's no one serving you but me. Elijah's in a dark day for Israel, and he's going, I'm the only one left. God says, no, I've, I've got, uh, there's a remnant. He says, I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bended their knee. So God said, even in Elijah's day, when Elijah thinks he's the only one left, he's going, no, there's, there's a number who are still attached. There's a remnant that are still connected. He's, he's likening that, Paul's likening that to his day. And saying there there's a remnant going on even now. Let's go on. Um, so I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? In other words, their stepping away is that as if it's a permanent destruction and, and moving on. What's he say this time? By no means. That's not how we're to perceive this. If their trespass means richest for the world, if their failure means richest for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So what does he see? He sees a remnant going on, but he also sees a time of them coming to Christ. You know, we, we how could it be? Well, that's up to God, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, if he's brought them back before, if he brought Gentiles into faith, then certainly God can restore and bring others to him. What the impression I get out of this is that God has always had an attachment geographically to this world. He chose to work through Abraham. He chose to give him a land mass. And he chose to To work through that and in some ways we have the benefit of looking and seeing history in space and time and acknowledging God's hand has been mighty and done incredible things that he would prophesy and we could see in, in absolute accuracy how they came to be. And so there's this wonder in us that says it's not just a God who I cannot see but to God who actively participates in this world, a God who is involved with people, a God who controls their destinies and their histories, a God who has his hand on the nations. That for us is a great privilege to be able to look at and say, yes, this, this isn't just somebody's made-up thoughts, or it's not just some ethereal thing, but it." it has a specific connection to our history. He goes on, I'm speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch as that I'm apostle to the Gentiles and magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some. He has not separated himself from them, but he says, I, 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 my heart's desire is that they be drawn back. They be drawn to Christ. For if their rejection means reconciliation of the world, What will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So he has this hope and this dream saying, I anticipate their acceptance and inclusion. Now he goes into an illustration. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. If you have confidence of your relationship in God that others were broken off, that you might be grafted in, don't get too excited about your place, but be excited about the root that's giving you life, giving you nourishment. Then you'll say, branches are broken off so that I might be grafted in. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. It's been gifted unto you to believe. Note then the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. So he's painting a picture saying, there is opportunity for this to come back together. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, he says, you really don't even belong into that branch. They normally don't take wild well, like in our setting, you don't take a wild apple tree and, and put it into one that's, that's producing good fruit. Generally, wild apple trees don't produce all that great of apples. And so, you know, why would he take a wild olive shoot except that that was God's choice? He says, no, that naturally there is a, a shoot that's more appropriate for this setting. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. So what's the declaration? He's saying there is a season for the Gentiles to be gathered, but he also points to something in the future. It says that day is going to, to, at the end, allow the inclusion of, of Israel in a way that we've not seen, an embracing of Christ. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. It is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So Paul is already living past the time of Christ on earth. So he's not referring to the work of Christ in in the past but he's referring to a future work. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Okay, They have not embraced the gospel. So he says in in that regard, they're contrary to what you believe. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of the forefathers. So I suggest to you that our mindset needs to be the same. that even though there's a a contrast and a disbelief in regard to the gospel, there still needs to be this awareness. God has a future for them and a salvation plan that we have yet to see. And so I believe it completely appropriate to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I believe it appropriate to to look at a nation like Israel, and do I agree with everything they do? No, but I believe God's hand is on them in a particular way. And there is a future for them in Christ. That's the hope I hold out to you as well. The promises of God are eternal. He doesn't break them like we do. And when he made that stamp on Abraham, that was for all time. God has chosen to work within a a particular geographical context. Uh, We didn't choose that. He chose it. But it's with wonder that we we were able to look then at prophecies regarding Jesus and say, a thousand years in advance, David spoke over his birth and death and resurrection. Six, seven hundred years in advance, we see Isaiah making similar declarations. And we know it for place and time and history and in a geographical setting. Why would they call out Bethlehem and say, "This little town, there's something special about you"? You know that that allows us a confidence of God's working throughout. And then I'd have to say, if Israel wasn't dismissed by Paul or replaced. We shouldn't do that either. And then finally, a future restoration and reconciliation with Jesus lies in store for the nation of Israel. Father, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you that you have allowed us to be grafted in through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. That we have relationship with you. We pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for their making peace with you and their inclusion and acceptance by you. We pray for a restoration that goes beyond anything we've ever seen. Be honored, we pray, in this world. Amen. Can you explain with any kind of rationality the anger that has been toward the Jewish people over centuries? lies toward Israel even now. I fully anticipate the end-time workings will happen around that nation. I anticipate the Antichrist to be vocalized in Jerusalem. I anticipate that Jesus will return at this point in time in Israel. What an incredible thing that we are part of history and get to see it unfold. Position your heart in a place that's where God's heart is. People fully embraced what Jesus is doing, who He is. No, but there's coming a day when they will. What an awesome thing!